Perspective is really, to me, what doctoral study is all about. Understanding that your perspective isn't the only one, that lots of different perspectives can be true at the same time, and that there are perspectives that we haven't even considered yet. And that's what the doctoral mind can help unlock. You're listening to the Happy Doc Student Podcast, a podcast dedicated to providing clarity to the often mysterious doctoral process. Do you feel like you're losing your mind? Let me and my guests show you how to put more joy in your journey and graduate with your sanity, health, and relationships intact. I'm your host, Dr. Heather Frederick, and this is episode 52. In this episode, I welcome back Dr. Todd Fiore. Todd has his PhD in education and is currently an online doctoral instructor for multiple universities. Today, we are going to talk about four factors that a doctoral student needs to consider if they want to be successful. Todd, welcome back to the show. Nice to be here. So just a couple of weeks ago, I had Tim on talking about the four U's of research, and you emailed me and said, I have the four H's. So today we're going to talk about the four H's as they relate to doctoral success. I think four is the magic number here. Where do you want to start? Well, the four H's of doctoral student success are things that I came up with when I would have students ask me at residences, hey, what does it take to be successful? And I came up with these four ideas. And the first H is horsepower. The second H is humility. The third H is, hmm, and I'll explain what that means. And the last H is hard work. To start with, let's talk about the first H, which is horsepower. So by horsepower, I mean the fact that there's a certain level of brain capacity or smartness, for lack of a better way to put it, that you got to have to be able to do this. And I like to think of it in terms of intellectual discipline, which can come both from nature and nurture. We know people that just seem really smart to us, but then we know other people who have taken the time to become very well educated and kind of train their brain to, to think quickly and to develop critical thinking skills. So without a doubt, you're going to need to have some horsepower to finish this. But it's also why only about 2% of Americans have earned a doctorate. So, of course, it would follow that, you know, these people probably have some brains going on. In the end, it is an educational degree, right? It is going to require you to think at a very high level. I love that you brought up sometimes we meet people that are just naturally smart. It feels like everything that comes out of their mouth is just so intelligent. I know for me, I had to work really hard for some of those classes, like statistics. Statistics was definitely not easy for me. Interestingly, (laughs) I went on to teach statistics after that, but it was a great lesson for me. And I truly felt the first time I went through my graduate statistics class, like I was in a foreign language class. I mean, there's Greek symbols. There's <laughs> Well, true. I mean, it, it can be overwhelming. I always tell students, if you already knew all this stuff, you wouldn't need to be in the program. So it perfectly follows that some of the stuff's going to be more challenging. By horsepower, too, I want to make it clear that it doesn't mean that people that have a PhD are necessarily smarter, but it does mean they're more educated. Like you said, it's an educational program. So these folks have trained themselves to be exceptional critical thinkers And they have the ability to comprehend multiple perspectives as the same problem. And that can give them the appearance that they are smarter because it seems like they have 
more information. It, it kind of reminds me of a F. Scott Fitzgerald quote that I love that the test of a first rate intelligence is the ability to hold two opposing ideas in your mind at the same time and still be able to function. So when you get to the doctoral level, you can understand that lots of different things can be correct at the same time. You really do move from there's one right answer and it's in the back of the book to creating information and having a perspective that we don't ever really know what is true. We're just gathering evidence in support of maybe a theory or a certain hypothesis, right? Right. So there's the raw level. Okay, you come with this amount of, let's call it IQ or whatever we want to call it. But really with this first H horsepower, what I'm sensing is it's what you do with that. Absolutely. You know, I think that anybody who gets to this level has the horsepower they need. They've already proven that they have the intellectual discipline to have completed, you know, at least a bachelor's and most cases a master's to get to the doctoral level. So it's really what you do from here. I think that's a great way to sum up horsepower. Which brings us to one of my all-time favorites, humility. (laughs) Humility. The second H is humility. And There is no doubt that doctoral study can be very humbling in a lot of different ways. A lot of doctoral students have always had academic success, and they're used to earning exceptional grades for things coming fairly easy to them. For me, and this doesn't sound very humble, but it it leads to it is that I was used to doing things at about 80 to 90 percent effort because I could get away with it. But I got to doctoral study and I was like, that's not going to cut it. That's where the humbling came in is that you have to give it your all. And I wasn't used to that. So you definitely have to be prepared to humble yourself because it may not come as easy to you. But more importantly, you'll be getting a lot of feedback that you may not be used to getting. Yeah, people will describe the doctoral process and that feedback is ego crushing. That's an accurate statement. And now we know with the expansion of online and hybrid programs, I think the average age of a doctoral student these days is closer to the low 40s. So these are people who have had professional successes. They're often leaders in their field. Maybe they've even written books. They're teachers, college instructors, nurses. So they have this experience in life of, I'm competent. One of your podcasts that we did earlier was called The Dissertation Shift. Sometimes it may be that in your content courses, you're kind of cranking along, maybe like you did with your master's degree, but then you get to that dissertation or doctoral project and you almost hit a brick wall when this feedback, this relentless feedback keeps coming over and over where the faculty are turning up the dial here and getting your project to meet the university criteria, whether that's your writing, the way you're thinking, the way you're synthesizing the information, the way you're proposing your design. And people will say to me, when I got that feedback, I felt so defeated. For sure. I've had that experience as both a student and also serving as a chair and committee member, seeing it just almost break the student to the point that they want to give up or they want to quit because they feel like they're such a failure. When in fact, that feedback is exactly what will propel you forward. But it takes a certain amount of humility to be able to stop and say, okay, maybe I'm not the greatest thing in the world here. I need to stop and accept this feedback and incorporate it. You mentioned making the transition and shifting from content coursework to the dissertation process. 
You spend 20 plus years in school learning how to work smarter. So you learn where the shortcuts can come. You learn how to become more efficient. And then you get to dissertation and it's not about doing it as efficiently and as quickly as possible. It's rather doing it correctly to meet the university expectations and to make sure that you're doing good ethical research. So it's important that you're open to the feedback. And to be open to the feedback, you have to sublimate your ego. You have to be humble and say, tell me what I need to know. And that's not always easy to do. One thing that I have seen assist students is to move from focusing on a grade to acquiring a skill. So sometimes when I'm teaching in a residency or a dissertation or doctoral project course, and a student will say, I'm an A student, I've received all A's, and I don't understand why I'm getting so much feedback now. If you change that perspective a little bit and say, what if it's not about the grade anymore? What if it's about acquiring a new skill set? Kind of forget about the grade for a little bit. Then what does the feedback feel like? Can you take this feedback and learn something that you need to know for this project? You know, that's a great point. I mean, dissertation is basically pass-fail. You don't get graded on it. Either you can finish it or you can't. And it is true that when you have spent your academic career tying your self-worth to the grade you receive, that's hard to say it's not about the grade. But like you said, if you focus on the skill you're gaining, then it becomes much more about what else do I need to know to learn to master this skill? And this is not just our experience talking about this. There's actually research to back up that students with humility will perform better academically. So if you want to take the know-it-all attitude that I already know this and I'm going to get rewarded for it, rather than what else do I need to know about this? you're going to be less likely to be successful than if you accept that humbleness. And you know, Todd, as you were talking, I was thinking this message is so important for faculty too, because sometimes I wonder if we don't model it for the students going through the project. I know that you and I have been on committees together where I'm chairing, you're the committee member, and the feedback that you've given is so amazing and so great, but I too have to kind of take a deep breath and humble myself that I didn't see the things that you were pointing out as weaknesses. And so I have learned to say to students, hey, we've got this document, maybe it's chapter one or proposal, up to where we're happy with it and we think it meets criteria. But what I want you to know is it's going to go out now for committee review And they're coming with their own perspective, their paradigms, their strengths, their areas of expertise, and we are going to get feedback on this. And then to take that feedback that comes from those committee members with gratitude, just like we talk about feedback as a gift, maybe as faculty, we could do better modeling what this looks like. Maybe it would be easier for the students as well. Absolutely. And I appreciate the kind words. You and I have had great experiences working together as committees, but we also know of examples where the faculty's ego gets in in the way and they want to fight over what they think is right rather than keeping the student's best interest at heart. So yes, faculty definitely need to model this idea of being humble because ultimately the goal is to train that student in the skills of research. It's not about whose ideas win. Right. And becoming a good community member in the scientific field, right? right? Most science is done as a collaborative project. Absolutely. 
So we've got horsepower and humility. All right, let's move on to the intriguing hmm. H-M-M-M. What I mean by hmm is that you have intellectual curiosity. You really have a sense of wonder about what's going on. We often see students at the beginning of the dissertation process, when they're working on their topic, they want to prove something. They want to show that their idea is correct or that their process or their thoughts are going to be the, the way that solves a problem. But the truth is, if we already knew the answers, we wouldn't need to do the study. So you have to be curious. You have to be open to new perspectives, because ultimately doctoral research is all about discovery. It's about learning what is not known. That's the whole idea of a knowledge gap. Here's something that we don't know, so let's go try to find out something about that. And often the most interesting findings from a study are the ones that we didn't expect. They may be the exact opposite of what they thought they would be, but that's where it becomes really interesting. So you've got to have that, hmm, I wonder about this when you start the process. Sometimes when I see a student that's really attached to their idea, I envision this small little hungry dog with a bone. You know, they're not going to let it go. I already know this is the way my whole study is going to prove this, right? That languaging that sends off alerts (laughs) to the chair. Red flags are flying when the students come with this language. And I ask them, what would be a very surprising finding for you? This is also a great question at the oral defense. What happened in your study that you didn't expect? What finding was unexpected? Because that shows you've moved from, I already know how this is going to pan out to this doctoral level inquiry saying, I'm going to be curious. I don't know what's going to happen. Yes, there's these theories or these models that may predict a certain thing, but even then they're just predictions. And we're collecting data to see Are those predictions true for this sample, for this time space, for the use of this measure, right? So really getting into this, I wonder what would be a surprising finding here and being open to that. There's a great quote that the greatest obstacle to discovery is not ignorance. It's the illusion of knowledge. It's the idea that you know it all before you go into it. And like you're saying, those unexpected findings or the surprises are where we have to embrace that the more we learn, really, it's just showing us the less we know and being open to that. And that, you know, that goes back to humility, too. You have to be humble enough to say, gosh, there's things I didn't even think about here. This is a whole new area that I didn't consider before. But it's based originally, it's rooted in that intellectual curiosity, wondering, really asking a question and really wanting to know what's the answer. This trickles in to personal development during the doctoral journey, right? So you can have this mindset of being incredibly curious about what's going on with your area of research. But as you're having experiences during the journey, you could be asking yourself, hmm, I wonder what I'm learning here, or I wonder why that happened, or I wonder what is really going on here. Absolutely. You mentioned it's a doctoral journey. I really believe in that metaphor because It is transformational, you know, from the start to finish. And there's things that you understand at the end that you didn't understand in the beginning, and you couldn't have understood them at that time. You have so much being thrown at you that when you get to the end and you look back and you say, oh, I see why that was. If you didn't have that curiosity throughout, you wouldn't get to the end and get that reward of knowing that, okay, now I see why this was done because this was done because this was done. It gives you a whole different perspective. And perspective is really, to me, what doctoral study is all about. 
understanding that your perspective isn't the only one, that lots of different perspectives can be true at the same time, and that there are perspectives that we haven't even considered yet. And that's what the doctoral mind can help unlock for the rest of us. And it's kind of a gift for everybody. Which I think the entire world could use a lot more of. And I'll link to Dr. Williams' episode in the show notes where he did a whole show with me on curiosity. And he ends it by saying something along the lines of, the antidote for judging others is to be curious, right? Because all those things you just said, if you just have this perspective of, hmm, I wonder why, I wonder why that person's doing that or why they believe these things, you suddenly release your preconceived notions of something being good or bad, and you're just curious. And I know for me, starting the phrase, I wonder, is my antidote for anything stressful, whether that means traffic that I wasn't expecting. Hmm, I wonder why I'm hitting traffic right now. Absolutely. That's a great, <laughs> right? that's a great idea. There must be something going on. Or uh, I, I wonder why my kids aren't doing X, Y, or Z. Hmm. I wonder, I wonder what's really going on here. And it kind of shifts you out of positive or negative feelings about the experience that you're having and brings you into this state of just being curious and having an open mind. That's the hmm. Yeah, that one's a good one too. I mean, they're all good. Number four, hard work. This is probably something that most people come in with some level of understanding that, hey, this is a terminal degree. Not that many people have one. There's probably going to be a lot of hard work involved. It's something that as an educator, I'm always reluctant to paint too harsh of a picture that, oh my gosh, it's so hard to do. I don't want to, I don't want students to be intimidated that it can't be done because it obviously can. There's millions of people out there that have their PhD or some form of a doctorate, but it's hard work because it's a different level of work than you may be used to. I mentioned a little bit ago that you spend all of your academic career learning to be efficient. By the time you're done with your content coursework in a, in a doctoral program, you can whip out a paper in an hour. It's no big deal. You've, you've kind of learned the, the, the process. But dissertation is different, and you have to learn a new process. And you have to be willing to put in a different level of work. There's an example that I've quoted before that somebody said a dissertation takes something from 500 to 750 hours. I've seen estimates that it might take 1,000 hours to finish. Whatever that estimate is, if you want to finish in a reasonable time, and for most people, reasonable is about a year, you can just apply some math. You could say, okay, 750 hours, dividing by 52 weeks, that's about 15 hours a week that I have to dedicate. And you may say to yourself, well, 15 hours a week, that doesn't sound like much until you start to actually sit down and spend that 15 hours, because that's not 15 hours sitting in front of a computer. That's 15 hours researching, writing revising, actually doing the work. And we're all busy. We all have things that come up. It's easy to get distracted. And I would venture to say that most people, by the time they reach dissertation, are not used to putting in 15-hour weeks when it comes to the work that's necessary academically. Yeah, you bring up so many great points there. One, it's not just any old 15 hours. It's 15 hours where you need to be on point, on top of your game right? Cognitively fresh. You can't say, yeah, well, okay, if I work for two hours right before I go to bed and you're spent, it's not going to work, right? And then those 15 hours aren't just 
sitting there answering emails. Oh yeah, I might be able to look at my schedule and find 15 hours. No, no, no. These are 15 hours where you are training hard. As you were talking, I was thinking, yeah, it's the difference between saying, hey, do you think you could go on a walk for 10 minutes? Yeah. And you go, okay, but could you sprint for 10 minutes? You know, it's a different level of exercise that you're doing with your mind when you're working on your dissertation or your doctoral project. It's strenuous. It it is strenuous. And it also requires a level of concentration that's hard to get in our society today, isn't it? It's, It's hard to find quiet time. If I set aside two hours in the evening to write, well, that means there's nothing else going on distracting me. That means my family's not bothering me, asking for things. The TV's not on. I mean, there's not other things to distract me. So finding that quiet time and that solitude is important. Part of the hard work is identifying for yourself what type of environment you need to be in to do that hard work. If you're going for a sprint, you're better off being on a track to do that. You don't sprint through a mall, for instance. When it comes to putting in the hard work for your dissertation, what is the environment you need to be in? For me, I find it better to get out of the house, to go to another location, be it a library, be it a coffee shop, somewhere where I am not surrounded by all the distractions of my regular time. And that also means that I have to make some sacrifices. This word is rather loaded, but I have to be selfish sometimes and say, this is my time where I'm going to be working on this. The other people that are important in my life just will have to understand that I can't address their needs when I'm addressing my needs, when it comes to the work I have to do on my dissertation. And some of that hard work could be related to working to maintain relationships that are happening while you're in your doctoral project dissertation phase. So you've got the hard work of doing your research, but you've got the hard work of balancing maybe your professional life, your personal life, and really realizing this isn't just master's plus. Yeah, I think a lot of students that I work with are like, I was able to do this, no problem. I did it on the weekends. My partner was really supportive. I said, yeah, because it was only for 18 months. You can do anything for 18 months, right? But now we're in year four, we're stretching to year five, and it becomes a drain on not just the student, but all the people that are close to them. So you're right. The hard work extends beyond just the dissertation, but you will have to make some short-term sacrifices for the long-term gain. And sometimes it helps to keep in mind the goal, the motivation. I had a student one time that took a frame that they would end up putting their degree in and they hung up on the wall an empty frame because that represented what they wanted to happen. And looking at that empty frame reminded them, okay, it's worth the work. I just need to do it. There's a reason they say a dissertation is the hardest thing you're ever going to do. You're going to have to work a little harder academically. That said, I'll say it's worth it. Yes. If this is part of your life calling, go for it. But just have the understanding it's going to be different from what you've done. I love these four H's. You're going to have to tap into your horsepower. You're going to have to learn how to be humble if that isn't already part of your personality. Really wake up that curiosity and then be dedicated to working hard and maybe getting those who are surrounding you, those that you love and know, family members, friends, coworkers, to help you with that working hard and motivation, to be the cheerleaders to say, hey, isn't this the time that you go to the coffee shop? Or I totally understand when you don't respond to my text messages for days because I know you're busy in your doctoral program. Absolutely. And it's unusual. And we've talked about this before, too, in terms of they may not quite understand it because they're not going through the same process. 
but they can still support you and they can still love you because they like you. And if you have these conversations and talk to them about these things, when you are applying the four H's, maybe we come up with another H that is related to support, but that is an important part of the recipe as well is having those around you that can hold you accountable and that can tell you it's okay that what you're doing matters. Yeah. Maybe hold you up or something. Yeah. There you go. (laughs) The bonus round H number five, surround yourself by people who can hold you up, hold your hand, maybe even from time to time, you might need some of that. Yeah. How about we, we open it up to the listeners. So whenever this podcast gets uh, published, if anybody can come up with a good fifth H related to support, I'm certainly open to the idea. And you'll have ways to get us that fifth H in the show notes. I'll put some contact information below. Todd, thanks so much for coming back and spending time with me. It's always a pleasure to have you on the show. Thanks, Heather. I love being here and happy to contribute to doctoral student success. Thanks so much for listening and be sure to check out episode number seven, The Dissertation Shift with Dr. Todd Fiore and episode 47 on curiosity and being human with Dr. Peter Williams. Until next time, here's to more joy in your journey. The Happy Doc Student Podcast is brought to you by expandyourhappy.com and you can learn more there. Oh, and hey, if you want to make my day, would you rate, review, and subscribe to this show? One more thing, just a quick reminder that the information, opinions, and recommendations presented in this podcast are for general information only.